0: Welcome to SVCC Weekly, a weekly podcast from Sangamon Valley Christian Center in Mohammed, Illinois. We hope you enjoy this message from our church, and be sure to check us out online at www.sangamonvalley.net. To God. I want to start off by reading uh, Leviticus chapter 15, verses 32 to 33. It's kind of a good summary of what a lot of these verses are referring to. It says this, This is the law for one who has a discharge, and for him who emits semen and is unclean thereby, and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity, and for one who has a discharge, either man or woman, and for him who lies with her, who is unclean, if you don't understand what that is referring to, ask a parent this morning. The talk this morning is a little interesting again i'm going I'm referencing scripture over and over again, uh, because it would be awkward to do otherwise at this point in my life so I also want to recognize that this is uncomfortable and is different. As generations have gone on my age group is probably a little more like okay this is normal we talk about these things Uh, maybe my parents age group is okay we talk about we joke around a little bit my grandpa jokes around some and gets in trouble Uh, and then the generation before him you didn't really joke around about these things Uh, and part of how i know that is i had the task this week of um, taking some family history uh, from tape and putting it on cd for some of my relatives And so as that was going on, I'm working on different things. I'm listening to it. And so one or two lines in this three hours or so of audio from my great-grandma, Moore, uh, who was 93 years old when they were recording her back in 1980. Um, and so she's recounting family history that even goes back into the early 1800s. Um, don't worry, I'm not going to make you listen to all of that, but there is one little section that I thought, oh, that would be a great little introduction uh, to what we're talking about this morning. Um, but in case you missed it, they're asking my great-grandma, I think more than that, it's great great grandma right two greats I think in there Um, well when you had a baby did you tell your other kids and I don't know how many mores there were there were several of them in that family Um, and she said no we didn't tell them (laughs) well because if she they also go on to talk about well if she told them then the kids would know what they were doing (laughs) so you didn't talk about it we are in a different age today aren't we we announce baby birth Sunday morning and celebrate what people have been doing. (laughs) We talk about our anointed water fountain out there and what it helps you do. I want to just give you a few kind of overarching themes in this section of Scripture that kind of relate to the vision for sexual purity for God's people. Um, The first is this sex is associated with procreation. And we'll look at at each of these in a little bit more detail, but sex is associated with procreation. Some of you may be thinking, uh uh-oh, okay, don't worry, I'll clean that up for you. Number two, um, sex and the single soul. Uh, we'll, we'll look at that. This is not a time that if you are not married to shut off your ears. Uh, this is uh, something that you actually need to probably listen to more than those that are married. Uh, three, sexual immorality will impact the entire community. In fact, the way it says it in scripture is it impacts the land itself of Israel. And so sex being associated with procreation, part of what we have to realize as we read through some of scripture is it, it use, has the use of euphemism. So it uses something to refer to different um, parts of sex or different parts of the body. And so as you read in there, it talks about flesh sum, which is really referring to your private parts, to use language my mother would be okay with this morning. <laughs> it refers to the flesh. It, it's, it's talking about the private parts here as i read the first verse of scripture it's talking about what happens to a man versus what happens to a woman once a month both of those are significant because remember the value of life is significant both of those events are to help you remember the value of life learn the value of life when a female goes through her monthly cycle she is referred to as taboo With three sisters, I wish that meant what some ancient societies did and women went and lived in a separate little area. I'm just being honest. I hope that's okay. The Jews were a little bit different. The God referred to that as still taboo, but unlike other societies where the men were terrified of it for, again, I think appropriate reasons, um, they weren't to separate out at that point in time. But here throughout scripture in the Torah, it's really linking sex and procreation together. That's kind of the ultimate purpose. And although that may not be why you're always having sex, that is still what you are to remember is the value of life. That's so why there's specific instructions given for male and female body parts is you're to remember the value of life not to degrade it. Sex is linked to procreation, but it is not for procreation only. If it was, the book, the Song of Solomon would not be added in as biblical canon, as part of what God has given instruction for us to. So for those that want to follow maybe great-grandma Moore's philosophy, um, you have to take that part of scripture out. (laughs) But what Leviticus is setting up, what God is setting up, is the importance of connecting sex with Valuing life. If you look at really the news today Our world today, they don't do that. That's why So many are okay with abortion Because now we don't have to value life anymore so we can go and have as much Sex as we want because life is no longer important. It's Whatever I choose. It's a Devaluing of life. God instituted from the very beginning. No Part of all of this is you need to understand the value of life. Because sex itself can bring about life, procreation. Although there are other purposes besides that. Number two, sex and the single soul. Okay, this book. This is a book, actually. I stole this point title from a book, although scripture is referencing it. Um, it's it's a good book for anyone that is single and maybe maybe struggling with some issues. Um, Jack Hayford wrote it. It's, it's a really thin book, um, but talks about to young adults kind of the issues that some struggle with as they are walking through. What does it mean that I am the age I can get married and yet I'm not married yet? Talking about that. But I think here in scripture, it's referring to not just young adults, but for all that are part of this age group now that has gone through the change in their body that now allows them to really procreate, to have sex. That we have to understand that it's not as, again, as the world around us would say, well, that's just how you were made. No, God is setting up, no, there are certain rules and boundaries in place for you to have the best life, the best life. This is not a conversation this morning, a message this morning to make anyone feel bad to think boy I didn't do it that way. God redeems, it's okay. But what we do want to do as a church is what is God's word saying so whether you live that way or not that you can pass on what does God say to future generations so they can have the best life that God intended for them. That's why it's sex and the single soul because we need to know so we can pass it on to others. The instructions that really start in Leviticus 17 and go into 18 give instructions for who you can and cannot have sex with. There it gives instructions and uses the term just like flesh refers to the private parts. Here it talks about revealing somebody's nakedness which is the term it's using for having sex with somebody. Revealing their nakedness. In fact, I think in Scripture, in the Torah, specifically the first five books of the Bible, we don't really see a whole lot about marriage ceremonies. We know the Jewish people celebrated marriage. We know it actually was more like a week-long celebration at some point in time it becomes that. But at the beginning, when you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, do you really see a wedding ceremony that happens? It's more like, here's the wife, or I've worked so long in Jacob's case, now I've earned my wife. But either way, it's like here's the wife, now go into your tent. Well, what do you think they're doing in the tent? Let's be honest. Really in the Torah, the act of sex itself is really the marriage ceremony. Different than what we have today. I think that's something that messes up our culture and messes up a lot of people because they start having sex thinking, well, it's okay, or maybe it's not, but it feels good. And so I'm going to do it anyways. And they end up with a lot of emotional issues. And part of that is is because the act of, of marriage and sex are so interlinked that I think really going from partner to partner to partner is emotionally and psychologically the same for a lot of people as getting divorced, remarried, divorced, remarried. And anyone that's walked through a divorce knows the emotional toll that takes. And I think it's the same thing for those that are going from partner to partner to partner. Something that we need to make sure the younger generation understands. That impact that they're going to carry with them. Goes on to a list of who you are not to have sex with, which we could even say it like this. A list of who you are not to marry. Because they're so intertwined here in this part of scripture. It says your own flesh In other words, your own household, your own, not just biological family, so what we would call incest, although Scripture at different points, order, line, if not outright, has incest and intermarrying between family members. God is giving them the instruction. You're not to do that. Not even biological family, your own household because in the ancient world in Israel the family the household wasn't just biological family it also included slaves it also included indentured servants and they weren't to intermarry because that could cause some problems within the household think Abraham Sarah gave basically her slave her servant to him to have a child that caused some problems so it's part of even Israel's history look your own family just stay away from there So don't go to family reunions recruiting someone to marry. (laughs) Right? Like let's use the vernacular of today. Not be appropriate. Also talk specifically Leviticus uh, 18.3 and then chapter 18 talk specifically about not marrying the Egyptians or the Canaanites. Because they were so evil and so messed up sexually that God didn't want them bringing that into their view of what sex should be within the family of God. They were to avoid those people groups because of how messed up they were. One of the things they were messed up with and what Scripture makes very clear, I know people want to rip these pages out of Scripture, but it makes it very clear. In fact, I'm going to read it straight from Scripture uh, here in the Old Testament, and it also is addressed in the New Testament. I'm going to read it from the Old Testament in Leviticus 18.22. It says you shall not lie with a male as with a woman it is an abomination in other words homosexuality the act of having sex with your own gender is an abomination also it goes on in case anyone is confused and hopefully not because society does seem to move worse and worse it says nor shall you mate with any animal what we call bestiality both of those according to scripture Clearly, are wrong. In fact they would say that's why the Egyptians and the Canaanites, you weren't supposed to intermarry with them because they were actually participating in those acts. So don't marry them because you don't want to bring that into part of the family. Now when I say that because I know several are close with friends that would fall into that category and you're thinking oh no what about them? Well, Scripture still says we're to love people, still says we are to basically kill them with kindness. That's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. So let's not get our fingers out, but let us still stand on what the word of God says. That grace and truth, that balance between the two. The Torah places, again, sex within marriage and aligns it with procreation. But remember, sex happens without procreating. Except for my mother, she tried to tell us and she's hiding in the back of the room in case she needs to run out. (laughs) She she told us, and I hope she was joking because I'll tell you, I haven't lived up to it, um, that you get one practice and then one time for each kid. (laughs) That's what she told us. (laughs) That's how maybe it was taught years ago. Now my mother, as you know, she likes to be a little funny sometimes, and so I'm hoping that's what that one was. My parents talked about those things. Maybe not everything in detail, praise the Lord, but some of those things. And so I get to pass some of those on to you. Aren't you lucky? But Scripture contains again my little caveat there the Song of Solomon. If you haven't read that book and you are married you should go read that book. The third thing I wanted to address in this section of the sermon this morning is the sexual immorality will impact the entire community. In fact Leviticus 19.29 it says this, do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a harlot. Uh, it's a modern day term for, or a term for like prostitute harlot. Um, Lest the land fall into harlotry and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbath and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. See, and as it goes on, it then lists different things of what, if you went and had sex in a certain way, the punishment was to be deaf you sleep with your neighbor's wife, death. You sleep with someone of the same gender, death. It goes on, it lists all these different things that they are told not to marry, not to have sex with in this way, and if you do, the punishment is death. Because God thinks this is a big deal. He thinks this is a big deal. He, he ties in here, look if you continue to do these things, even if you're to the point of you're, you're basically selling off your daughter as a prostitute. Sexual immorality goes so far it's going to impact the entire community it's going to impact the land where I've placed you we know places today where that is still true I think it's also important to note as you look through Leviticus and it says look if you do this you're going to die, you do this you're going to die you do this you're going to die, it's at that same point in John chapter 8 that some of the religious leaders bring a woman, puts at Jesus' feet for them to to kill and Jesus responds and says let him who is without sin cast the first stone it tells me this if, if you think it's your job to punish those that maybe fall within this list in Leviticus then if you are without sin go ahead and throw the first stone We can't forget that society as Christians. Yeah, we're to come in and look, okay, how are we living? What's God's word says? How do we help others live up to this? And yet we are never the ones responsible for the punishment, for bringing about the death. (coughs) And Jesus himself even took the opportunity to pass on that and offer forgiveness. And so we too need to live our life in that way. Doesn't mean denying it. The world again around us wants to deny What is sin? No in fact the be Christians is to say I am a sinner, I need God. We all are sinners. So we can't all of a sudden say okay I have God now now sin no longer exists in the world around us. No it's we have to come and say yeah there is sin and there is a savior. You can try to write it off however you want that there's no, no sin. The world wants to do that today. Follow your feelings. What feels good feels good it's not wrong. Boy, how messed up is that? No, we have to come and say, okay, there is sin. Here's what Scripture clearly defines as sin, but there's good news. The good news is Jesus came and died for each one of us. Amen? Amen. The other part that this Scripture talks about that I just want to highlight briefly is it also lays out a vision for pure justice within the community. Pure justice. go on to the next slide there Jake and it tells us specifically kind of two areas that we need to make sure we are just within. The first is this, the weak and the foreign. God gives instruction over and over again for those that have come into the land. Now they're not supposed to bring their gods into the land. They're not supposed to bring in evil ways. No, they're to come in and adjust to where they are and Israel is to treat them well. And consider them, the weak, as well. The elders within the community are, from this standpoint, are not to be seen tied in with the weak and the foreign. The elders within here are those that justice was within their hand. In fact, the elders really kind of met in the city gates, the city center, and were responsible for hearing the different cases and knowing what God's word said and helping people with disputes. They were to consider the weak, the foreign, even in that, and not say, okay, because you are not from here or because you do not have the money, we're going to regard you separately. No, they were to hold justice the same for all. The elders really were to have justice within their hands, but all the community itself was to be responsible for it. That impacts us. We have to, as the people of God, say, okay, how do we make sure that, that justice is being done that we consider all people those that maybe are weak within our society those that have less means and also those that maybe are not from here now that's not a question on how do they get here should they get here should they not get here it's just a matter of if they are here do we treat them well do we make sure we care for those that are around us we'd also put in there scripture talks about it our neighbors that we're caring for everyone. We're not really discriminating on who we care for. It's if they're here we're going to care for them, make sure they're treated well. We're not going to treat them bad just because of other reasons. We're going to make sure everyone is treated well. See purity means So we've looked at it in the sense of our sexuality So we looked at it in the sense of justice briefly purity means we are called the point to God who is holy. Called the point to God the way we live, living a life how God says to live it. Now I'll talk about this in the coming weeks. Leviticus, most of it, although it's important to know it reveals who God is, thanks to the new covenant, what Jesus did at the cross for us, he fulfilled it, praise the Lord. That's why you can eat bacon now. That's the best example, let's be honest, because how many of us would be full of sin and have to come and sacrifice our cows because we have bacon for breakfast? grandpa, it's probably over here nudging Teresa and gives her a hard time because she likes pork. I just say she's following the new covenant. (laughs) A few uh, kind of discussion points I want to give you on the next slide here. Uh, Address what we've talked about, also a few other things in this section of Scripture. This section of Scripture primarily talks about sex and yet it's also a lot of you should not or do not, you shall not. It's, It's a big list. And so we have to consider really the first kind of discussion question there and that is this, what is the difference between a mere list of do's and don'ts? Most would look at this section of scripture and say well it's just giving us a list of do's and don'ts. So what's the difference between a list of do's and don'ts and walking in purity and thus power? That real holiness produces. We're going to be holy as our God is holy. What's the difference? How are we choosing to live? Are we going to walk with a list of do's and don'ts? Or are we going to say no, no. Yeah, we, we may follow a list, but really the heart is about being pure. About God coming and producing purity and power within us. Because He is holy and He makes us holy. We also should consider Leviticus 19 where it talks about don't, don't basically prostitute your daughter. I think it refers not just to a daughter, but it also brings us to the point of what about our own children? What are the things that we allow our children to see and do that could cause them to fall into harlotry, as the scripture would use, but maybe we could say instead sexual immorality. Other areas. What are things we allow them to do? Parents have a hard time, I think, understanding that if your child is in your house, you are still the parent. My father, I, although I at times hated the rule um, I learned to live with it because it was the rule And I think it should be the rule in every house I think scripture aligns with it If your child is in your house no matter what age It is your house It's part of why the New Testament when it talks about the church And their issues kick them out Well they were meeting in the house if There are issues going on in the house, boot them There's a standard as a parent you can live by and if your child's adults or younger, whatever, now don't go boot your under 18 year old and say the pastor said to do it. No, you're still responsible for them. If they're over 18, they're not living up to your standard, kick them out. That may sound harsh, but again, we can go to the New Testament and we can read straight from there. The point is, you're calling them to purity and holiness. So have that standard for them. Have that expectation for them. Don't enable them to live a different way. Begin that not just when they get 18, because then they're going to be like, what? (laughs) No, you begin that from early ages, teaching them what's appropriate. The third thing, are there any other themes, if you would go back and read these sections of Scripture, even go on into where it talks about the priesthood, are there any other themes like justice, like sexual purity, that you think are there as you look at the lists of you shall not or do not in there. Now again the do nots most of them come down and end with for I am the Lord in other words why do we do it? Because he said so. Because he said so. Obedience is what God is wanting. Obedience. Obedience. Thank you for listening to SBCC Weekly. We hope you'll subscribe to this podcast as well as give us a like. You can visit us again online at www.sangamonvalley.net.